Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap for January 27th. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, hanging in there today. We're going to talk Air Dodgers, silencing the haters. We're going to talk about the Brewers finally having a pulse and a little rant on the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then we will talk about what Kobe Bryant's death did for me. We'll do all of that today. Excited to talk to you on today's edition of the Daily Tap. Looking forward to it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it right away. No, all gas, no breaks, as our head coach, Matt LaFleur, would like to say. We're talking Aaron Rodgers. Let's go. So Aaron Rodgers visited the Pat McAfee show yesterday. Um, at the beginning of Pat McAfee's show, he did not know if Aaron Rodgers was going to come on. Uh, he had said, look, I haven't had conversations. We were supposed to just do this until the end of the year. When the end of the year was over, we would, you know, whatever. It would not continue. There was no real contract. There was no real sort of agreement here. It was just Aaron Rodgers sitting down with a couple of his buds and having a conversation. Now, all of us, I think, are appreciative of the conversations that Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers have had this year. That's why I thank you, Aaron, was trending on Twitter. But Aaron Rodgers finally kind of addressed the haters after two days of speculation, after two days of hearing everything out of the woodwork with clowns like Adam Schefter and, and Mike Wilbon saying Aaron Rodgers is not going to be back. Schefter didn't really say Rodgers is going to be back, rather just made up a fake retirement story that we went in on him yesterday. You can go listen to the podcast on that. You also had Mike Florio speculating about contracts and Colin Cowherd doing his thing, Skip Bayless, whatever. All these guys who have been at Aaron Rodgers' neck throughout his entire career, the haters and losers of which there are many, as one former president used to say. So Aaron Rodgers kind of finally silenced him. He said, hey, there's no reason I wouldn't be back next year. He's like, I don't like doing absolutes, which, yeah, he left the door open. And people will say, well, that's, that door is open. But in a lot of ways, Aaron Rodgers kind of silenced the haters. Aaron Rodgers said, all right, shut the fuck up, and here's what happened. And it was exactly like a lot of us who have a working functional brain thought it was. Aaron Rodgers was emotional. He was raw. He just shot from the hip, and he's like, look, not a lot of people just give you my honest opinion. And Aaron Rodgers knew that he would not be with that team next year. He understands the Green Bay Packer organization maybe better than anyone else in that organization. And may, I would say probably Rodgers is what, third or fourth in terms of guys who get it just across the board. Like it's Mark Murphy, Brian Gunacoust, Russ Ball, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. That's where I'd put him. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett above him. I don't know. But, like, that's where Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has been through this forever. So when Aaron Rodgers said that, and I, I believe we talked a little bit about this on Monday, so I apologize for repeating myself, but it's worth repeating, especially if you didn't listen on Monday. Go back and listen, though, if you, if you want. It, Aaron Rodgers knows, like, Aaron Jones won't be back. Corey Lindsley won't be back, okay? Like, he knows those guys are not going to be on his team next year. He fully gets that. He fully understands that they're not going to have the same guys. He doesn't know if Mercedes Lewis is going to be back. He, he doesn't know if, 
you know, I don't think him and Kevin King are that close, but Kevin King not going to be back. Um, you know, so there are guys where Rogers like, I'm going to have a new team next year. They're going to be new guys. And I think for Rogers, and I don't know if this is what he was saying without saying it, but I think what Rogers hopes, if you asked him, if you're having a couple scotches with him, is he hopes that the team next year is similar in their chemistry and their unity and their, I get it. At last two years ago, I don't think that Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, all these guys that had signed understood that the Packers were so close to being Super Bowl contenders. Now, they were nowhere near what San Francisco was last year, and San Francisco beat their ass. This year, they were the, the hunter. They were not the hunted. They were the hunter. They should have won to the Super Bowl. They did not bring it. Their offensive line fell apart. People can wonder about Jared Veldier, and if Veldier was able to play, would we, have, would we even be having this conversation? We'll be talking about the Super Bowl matchup with the Chiefs and going over storylines? I have no idea. But the fact of the matter is, is that they didn't accomplish the job. Now, there will be guys who are back and who know, like, here is the next step that we have to take. And that will be hopefully happening. Hopefully, Green Bay will be able to contend for a Super Bowl. But everybody around the Packers will get better. And, you know, who knows? What if San Francisco gets Matt Stafford? I hope to God that doesn't happen. What if the Washington football team goes and gets Deshaun Watson? What if, you know, the Detroit Lions have a pulse because they keep bringing in smart people and the Lions are finally worth a damn, although I think it's going to be a couple of years, but I think it's actually time we might need to start worrying about the Lions. What if the Minnesota Vikings somehow figure it out with their young defense? So, like, all of these things culminated is, like, why Rodgers felt the way he did. Because there, it's not a guarantee that next year you're going to be a one seed. I mean, hell, last offseason, I said to you, the podcast listener, I said, guys, like, there's natural aggression that's going to happen. Like, it's not – there's no guarantee – that the Green Bay Packers are going to be 13 and three again. Now they were, which is fucking incredible and deserves a ton of credit. But the fact is, is like, there was no guarantee of that looking at that schedule and that schedule next year on paper looks hard, but who knows? Maybe those teams fall off and it's an easier schedule and Green Bay's 13 and three again. And, and maybe they're right back where they, they are. They were last season. But nothing is granted. It is the NFL. I'm sure you've heard that before, right? Things change on a fucking dime. So I totally understood what Rogers was saying. The fact that so many people overreacted and jumped the gun, I think speaks more to where we are with journalism right now. Now, I'm not trying to do like a Big J thing, although I'm going in on Big J's today, just for whatever it's worth. So you know that I, I am going all the way in on big J's today. But it's where we are with journalism because everybody wants that story. Everyone wants that morsel. Everybody wants that attention instead of actually getting down to the nitty gritty of it. I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I probably did, but I'll, I'll be, all right. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I usually 
remember what I talked about on the podcast. And I, I really wasn't that drunk on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon or evening. But I got to be honest, your boy doesn't really remember like anything he said on the podcast on Monday. Just don't. And I don't know if it's like, I just went for it, went shot off the hip and then that's it. Or if it was, I had too much to drink and I probably should have been podcasting. Either way, I heard some good feedback on it. Uh, it's fine. I've done many a shows uh, with a few beverages in hand and that's what I can do because, you know, this is my independent thing, but probably should have maybe done it in the morning because uh, I'm like, I don't know if I talked about this, but anyways, Ryan Wood, I thought had the best commentary on this and it's similar to the stuff I said. Ryan to me is the only one who's actually was actually doing his job and actually, you know, looking at this a little more introspectively than, Oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. That's not what was going to happen. Aaron Rodgers was just, you know, in his feelings and that's okay. It's okay to be in your feelings. And I appreciate Rodgers not being a fucking robot. Rodgers could have gave every cliche in the book after that loss, but he didn't. He stood in there like a man and gave his opinion. And I think we should appreciate him of that. And so I love the fact that Rodgers silenced the haters. I loved, I, I, I had to chuckle. And, he, and he's not in my like view of people that are hot take artists. Because again, another guy just doing his job. But Ian Rappaport got on uh, Good Morning Football this morning and was like, yeah, basically summed up all the stuff that happened on the McAfee show. And it was like, yeah, maybe he'll work on a new contract. There'll be discussions being had. But he like had no nuggets. Like he wasn't like sources close to me say, you know, Rogers wants a new deal, everything like that. And I understand what Mike Florio laid out that Rogers wants a new deal. And he took a shot at Florio and Florio got mad because Florio's a baby back bitch. I mean, that's, that's been a, we've known that since, you know, 2010. I wish that I would have, you know, went harder at Florio in 2010. I'd probably be blocked on Twitter, but I called him a hack back in 2010. And I was still trying to be a journalist, which I mean, talk about just uh, awful decision. Like if I could have sat down with myself and said, Hey, Charlie, why don't you get a marketing degree? Maybe minor or just take some journalism classes like know what it's about get better at writing but actually just be a marketer and then work on the blog on the side and just get a get a little bit better or take some english classes to get better as a writer that's 100 what i would have done but i did it and so like when i called him a hack my dad who i don't think he listens as much as he does he he wants to listen i i've i've kind of avoided getting it set up on his phone but he like wants to listen more often. And he was like, don't like, don't like burn bridges. Don't do this. And now it's like, dude, I am so far removed from this shit. And yeah, would I love to like talk to Mike Florio and understand why Mike Florio hates the Packers? Sure. But if I even put out a request to do that, Mike Florio would look back at my tweets and I've, I've fucking took him to task. I guarantee you I'm muted by him. So it's okay. And that's fine. Right. I know I'm yelling into a void when I, I quote tweet Mike, but the fact is, is yeah, he's soft as shit. And he, he again, got mad, called us like day and on or something, which as one of my friends pointed out, like maybe a homophobic slur. Like I've, as it goes off the tongue, tongue, like a homophobic slur. It's not, it's like green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. It was dumb. It's like making fun of QAnon. But again, 
should we be making fun of QAnon? Because weren't those people that attacked the Capitol? Wasn't that a threat to our democracy? Didn't we all get fucking just riled up about that? So why, why are we able to make jokes about that? It doesn't feel like something we should be joking about. But that's, hey, that's just me. And maybe I'm being soft by saying that or just trying to use your words against you, Mike. But anyways, I spent enough time about Florio. I probably shouldn't have even gave him that, give those two minutes. The fact is, is Aaron Rodgers like, yeah, all these douchebags, that's why I did this show. And that's why I, I went on every week to talk to Pat McAfee and silence those haters. And it's very good. And it is not a storyline this offseason. So I apologize to First Take, Undisputed, Get Up. Um, who else can we apologize to? Mike Florio, uh, I, Colin Cowherd. I'm, I'm really sorry that this Aaron Rodgers narrative isn't going to be there for you guys. I know how much you love to just fuck that chicken and that chicken just isn't there for you. So from all of us here at sports news on tap, I'm sorry. Um, it's not there. Find a new slant. As I said on my video a couple of days ago, find a new slant, man. It's just, it, yeah, maybe they'll work on some contract stuff. They did last year. They got creative with it. Jason Wildy called that out. I think it was a uh, Steve, the Homer true pointed out to Wildy and then Wildy tweeted it out. Um, that they really kind of figured out their contract stuff last year with signing bonuses, things like that. They can get creative. Trust me, Russ Ball is a mastermind. Don't doubt what Russ Ball can't do for the Green Bay Packers. So that story's the bad. Uh, Mitch and I, I'm sure, will kind of talk about, A, what's next for the Packers and what should we look forward to this offseason, not only for the Packers, but like for the Bucks, the Brewers, everything like that. We'll do that tonight. That'll be part of Tapping the Keg, episode four. Oh, oh, excuse me, 401. <laughs> 401 there, a little hiccup. Hopefully that, that does not continue. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee Brewers finally are making some noise. Now, I didn't sign anybody. That's frustrating. But they are actually involved in conversations. Every time it seems like we have a new guy that's potentially on the market for free agency. It's like Brewers, Brewers, Brewers. No, no Brewers. And they did sign David Daniel Robinson, who we ranted about a few weeks ago, that he was on more of the Sogard meter for those unfamiliar. The Garcia Sogard meter, I ranted about this last year, that the Brewers signed way too many Eric Sogards, not enough Avisail Garcias. And they needed to sign more Avisail Garcias if they wanted to contend. And this year is a no-brainer to contend with no one in the NL Central wanting to do shit. So the Brewers have apparently been talking with Justin Turner. And they've apparently been talking with Eddie Rosario. Both guys would be excellent additions to the Milwaukee Brewers. They would both really help this offense. And they would really make this offense into something special versus what this offense was last year. And I think either one is worth getting excited over. Turner fills an obvious need. The Brewers are so lost at the third base position. They were lost all season. They didn't do anything to address losing Mike Moustakis in the offseason, and it bit them in the ass. Now you can say, hey, Charlie, they made the playoffs. I don't fucking count. All right? They needed to have an offensive stalwart at third base. Turner would give you that. Now, Turner has some injury issues. Turner, though, is extremely clutch. Turner's a guy that can hit home runs, can get on base. He's a pass to deal with. He's really good in the locker room. There's a lot to like about Justin Turner. 
He is old, though. He's 36. And apparently he wanted a four-year deal from the Dodgers. And the Dodgers basically told him to fuck off, which I make sense, right? You're not going to sign a guy into his 40s. I don't think the Brewers would give Justin Turner four years. Do I think the Brewers might go three and give him like a club option at the, at the third? Yeah. I don't think they're going to do a player option at the third. Maybe they do it and they, they say, well, let's hope that Justin wants to retire after his second year. I don't know if Justin Turner is going to want to play in Milwaukee, but who knows? Maybe he will. Going from Los Angeles to Milwaukee is quite a culture shift. Justin Turner has also played in a lot of big markets. He's not necessarily a small market guy. So if he's going to go play, I know the Blue Jays are after him too. If he's going to go play in Buffalo or Milwaukee, that's quite a change. And maybe you play in Buffalo and hope at some point the COVID restrictions loosen and you can go play in Toronto, which is another big city. But I don't know. I don't know if what Turner's Turner's thinking. I don't know if it's all about the money. And if, is it worth poning it up for, for this run? I would say yes, because look, take advantage of having Christian Yelich in your lineup and just go after it. This is a good year to go after it. Next year, if you want to put Turner into a deal with Josh Hader, go ahead and do it. But I have no problem adding a guy like Justin Turner. And if it means you got to pay a little bit more, it's almost like a small market tax then do it i'll eat those words i will and i'll i'll say this i want to i want to caveat here if for any fucker who has said like hey the brewers aren't doing anything and then you're mad that they give justin turner three years i will probably go to your house and punch you in the face because like what do you want it's the exact same people who are like Oh, I don't know. The books might not be good. And then it's like, oh, regular season doesn't matter. You're the same people. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, make up your mind on this sort of stuff. Like, don't, you have to, like, stick to one side of this argument and not, like, just waffle and flip-flop. But that's what we do with people with Twitter accounts. And then for Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario would be a great addition as well. I don't know how the Brewers make it work with their outfield. The only thought I had was, would you push Avisail Garcia to first base, which I know he's played some. I know he's not fond of the first base position. Yes, with the DH, it makes things a lot better. Rosario would be an awesome upgrade defensively. Um, He would be a hell of a fourth outfielder. It would probably mean that Ryan Braun is retiring or just not coming back, um, which would be really tough to deal with. if They're signing a guy like Eddie Rosario because it's like, well, what does that mean for Ryan Braun? But it doesn't seem like the universal DH is coming, which is a huge loss for baseball. But that's another story for another time. So Eddie Rosario would definitely add something. And he loves hitting at Miller Park. Dude's a brewer killer. Now, we've seen that work out. We've also seen that not work out. Shout out to Jeff Supon, who was also a brewer brewer killer as a pitcher and then got signed by the Brewers and was immediately awful. So I, I personally would love Eddie Rosario. I think Eddie Rosario would add a lot to the defensive outfield, especially late in games. I think he would add a little bit of pop. He can steal bases. I just think that's a guy that would be really good to have in the middle of the order, if not near the top when like Lorenzo Cain has an off day or something like that. And maybe the Brewers look at it. Maybe Craig Council looks at him and says, I'll be rotating guys in and out, making sure guys stay fresh so that adding a guy like Rosario, he's still going to get adequate amount of time. And when it comes down to late in games, we're going to put him in the outfield. So he might get more at bats because of that. I don't know if they can sell him on that compared to what else he has 
out on the market. The other thing I want to talk about baseball-wise, and we'll, we'll just uh, wrap that up. We'll see what happens. We'll see if either of these guys come to the Brewers. We'll see if they don't. I guess, you know, baseball moves really quick now. It's, it's like, it seems like, hey, these guys are rumored, and then, boom, they're signed by somebody. My one thing I would caveat and say, and I've said that word twice in the last, like, five minutes, but what I will say is, like, look, even if the Brewers don't sign either of these guys, I'm just happy they're in conversation. And hopefully it's a step forward to actually signing somebody. And Robert Murray was pretty plugged in with the Brewers. I don't know if he still lives here, but Robert Murray pretty plugged in here said, former Brewer beat writer said they have some budget, but not much. So who knows what that means uh, for signing guys like Rosario Turner or anyone else. Obviously not Trevor Bauer, unfortunately. Uh, lastly, or well, I want to talk about baseball Hall of Fame and then we'll talk about Cody Wright. So Baseball Hall of Fame didn't induct anybody. Kurt Schilling came up short. No, nothing for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. It will be there last year on the ballot. Baseball Hall of Fame voting is broken. It is absolutely broken. Tom Verducci and the MLB Network talked about how serious this is and this over-dramatized version of these self-imported journalists where they think that they are worth so much more, that this matters so fucking much. It doesn't. And this needs to be fixed. You need to figure out how to vote properly for the Hall of Fame because these guys are using personal vendettas to basically say, all right, some of the greatest of greats are not getting into Hall of Fame because they had issues with steroids. Now, no one is saying, to like not acknowledge it. And I don't understand why there can't just be a wing of Cooperstown that talks about the steroid era. If we're bringing young kids in and we're worried about the youth who barely give a fuck about baseball as is, is it's a, I wouldn't say a dying sport, but it's a sport that needs a revival. If we're worried about the kids, what about the kids wringing our hands? Make a wing explain what PDs are, explain what they did for baseball and explain how much these players were hurt by it. Have a cutout about Ken Caminiti who was an MVP and died and lost his life because of steroids. Talk about that. Inform, educate. And then where, you know, where would you put the busts of Clemens and Bonds? Put them over there. Put them in that sort of wing. Or make it a 90s, 2000s wing and just have a wing dedicated to the guys that were involved with steroids. And make sure they were involved. Don't don't kind of witch hunt. Like I know Jeff Bagwell and Mike Piazza, right? Like those guys might have done PEDs, but there has never been any evidence. So they don't deserve that shrapnel, nor does anyone else in that era. It's so fucking simple. And Kurt Schilling is, yeah, a crazy ass dude and is so politically charged and a guy who just is, you know, out front about his politics and, and over the top. And it's, it's to the extreme. And so I don't, I hope that that's not what's keeping people from voting for Kurt Schilling because it shouldn't be about that. What he wants to do in his other life is his choice. And 
maybe Kurt Schilling wouldn't accept the award, you know, in person if they told Kurt, like, hey, you got to keep it above board, no politics. Like, just talk about your career. I've listened to Schilling throughout the year. I mean, he's a grifter um, since he's been retired. But Schilling does is pretty insightful when it comes to actually talking about baseball. It's just he something will get him started, and then he'll want to talk politics. He just kind of wants to do both, and unfortunately, he takes it to the extreme. But that shouldn't be what keeps Kurt Schilling out of the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what we're doing here. I don't understand, and I feel like the fact that no one got in with the amount of greats that are there, it should be a massive call to be like, what are we doing here? We need to figure this out. It should be a mix of writers, former players, current players. Why not? What about executives, owners? Why shouldn't they have a voice? It shouldn't just be about the writers. And there are less and less baseball writers as we continue on because we're in a world where there aren't, you know, people are doing multiple things in the journalism departments across local newspapers. So I hope that there is a reform. I don't know how that reform even starts. There's no way the baseball writers would ever, you know, relinquish their power. But I hope they understand that everybody thinks they're clowns. And I remember <laughs> I had an interaction with Buster Olney of ESPN last week. And Buster was talking about how hard a decision this is for these journalists. And I was like, oh, you poor thing. And he's like, I stopped voting. And I was like, oh, good for you, man. But I also said, like, you made this bet. You guys came out so hard against PEDs and you offered no tangible solutions. It's your fucking fault. You made this bed. Now sleep in it. Buster obviously didn't respond. And of course he wanted because he did, you know, he, he doesn't know what to say to that. He can't say anything to that. He doesn't have a retort there. So we'll see if they actually fix the baseball hall of fame or if they continue to just be garbage. Lastly, to wrap up the show, little Chuck's corner. I didn't, I'll be honest. I did not realize that yesterday was Kobe Bryant's death. I knew it was a right around this time. Uh, I, I knew it was at the end of January and throughout this, this era, I, I, you know, I know where I was. I was at a grocery store, have, grabbing groceries with Morgan on a Sunday afternoon. And I looked at my phone and I said, I, I think Kobe Bryant died. And I remember a guy in the aisle with me. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, man, it, it does not look good. And then I remember just being immersed in my phone all, all afternoon. And, you know, the days that followed were crazy because you hear all these stories. And I, I was unemployed at the time. I had been going through really a hardship with the unemployment. I had been unemployed for... At that point, I was heading into my fifth month of unemployment. I didn't think that the end was, was near. I didn't think that I'd get hired somewhere. I was going on this international trip when we could still do those things to Copenhagen and Dublin because I told my fiance that, who wasn't my fiance at the time, that I wanted to still do this because I don't know if I'd ever get an opportunity. We talked about pushing it back. We just went for it. And she's like, we'll figure out expenses and 
It's one of the reasons I love her that we were able to just do that and kind of, again, all gas, no brakes on that. But before we went overseas, and I knew I had this window where I, I wouldn't be able to like look at jobs as much once I was overseas and quote unquote on vacation. I busted my ass for those two weeks. And part of the reason was hearing the stories about Kobe Bryant and hearing about the Mamba mentality and hearing the drive and the passion that that guy had. And his death motivated me to find a new job. And when I was at my lowest of lows, and there's a podcast out there. It was a Friday show last year right around this time where I just kind of, I'm like emotional. I think I cried a little bit about how this podcast meant to me and how just what, and I'm kind of talking about this, like it created this like fire in me that I didn't need to make any more excuses. And Kobe Bryant talked about how much he hated excuses and how he didn't take excuses for answers. And I was someone who made way too many excuses who made way too many excuses when things went wrong in my life and the missteps that I had, I made an excuse instead of being upfront and being direct about it. So I took Kobe's death and used it as fuel and just busted my ass for the three or four weeks before I went to Copenhagen and it worked out and I ended up getting hired, thankfully, uh, right before the pandemic. And I don't know what would have happened if I wouldn't have got hired before the pandemic, I have no fucking clue. So I'm internally grateful. Obviously it's very sad that Kobe passed, but it created a fire in me and it got me back on my feet because I was down. I was in a really bad spot, kind of worse than I think a lot of people knew for those basically month, really from, you know, Christmas until that time. So I, I look at Kobe's death. I, it sad, saddens me, but it reminds me that it was a time that I, I pulled myself up from, from underneath. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And I hope if, you know, you're going through something tough right now, I would just say like read a lot of the stuff that Kobe talked about, preached about. And I think you'll find a lot of motivation in it. And you'll realize that you don't want to let yourself down. All right. A little more serious at the end there, but I hope you guys enjoyed today's show back tomorrow. Um, tapping the keg with Mitch and I, we will then do a Friday show. I don't know if we'll, we'll probably kind of end. Should I bet my team? Um, we'll do it for a Super Bowl, of course, but um, we'll kind of go into more just a Friday show. Um, we used to do like free talk Fridays. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll bring that back. Maybe we'll definitely bring a ticket story time to the table on uh, Friday. I owe you guys that much. Uh, we could have done it today. We'll, we'll definitely do it for uh, Friday. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. And we'll talk tomorrow.